0: This is the Canty and Carlin podcast.
1: You're damn right it's a big pile of money if you pay attention. (laughs) That's right. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app, presented by Progressive Insurance, what are we doing? Boom, 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 boom. We're giving you winners. You turn up, you turn down, they're everywhere, and that's what we do. At least twice a week, I think. Canty? Thoughts, comments off of last night's three-leg baseball same-game parlay
0: winner. Listen, we help people to get a little bit of lunch money going into the work week. I don't think it's a bad way to start off your work week with uh, being $400 to the good on a Monday night if you put down 100 So, yeah, I'm feeling pretty damn good about what we did for our listeners. And I'm feeling even better about my Lakers chances of being able to get out of the play-in tournament tonight with the win over the short-handed Minnesota Timberwolves. Let's go! Okay, let's not get nuts. We
1: are Canty and Carlin, as we said, 888-SA-ESPN. 888-729-3776. Uh, listen, I expect him to win tonight. And so why did is, you
0: just say not to get nuts? What are I, you talking about? I, I expect
1: him to win tonight, but... I don't have anywhere near the level of confidence that you do that I I think is purely through golden purple colored glasses right now, because I think you're seeing what you want to see.
0: And I understand. No, 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 no. Let's not do that. With Rudy Gobert suspended for this game, the paint yeah. is going to be a freeway. Check that. It's gonna be like the Audubon for the Lakers. Who's playing defense on the interior for the Minnesota Timberwolves? Carl Anthony Town? Are you kidding me? Stop yourself. The, the Lakers, Anthony Davis, are going to dominate in the paint. And, and we've seen with this lineup hole, LeBron James and AD completely healthy, they dominate in the paint when it comes to points in the paint, when it comes to second chance opportunities, and when it comes to rebounding. So don't give me that. With Rudy Gobert out, with the Stifle Tower suspended for, for a game, that, that's, all, that's all we need in order to ensure that, That we're going to advance to a real playoff series against the Memphis Grizzlies.
1: Well, I was—I was actually speaking in the grander scheme of the
0: entire postseason. But dear God, let to get to the rest of the postseason. This is not the postseason. So in order to get to the postseason, uh, yes. well, what the NBA I, is counting as the You have them going to the finals. So let's well, settle down. That's get, my can point. Can we get to the first round of the playoffs first? Well, right I, now,
1: we're on the outside Your line. overall view of everything has been about the big picture, and that's what I was responding to. Not tonight. Now, dear God in heaven, based on everything you just said, I mean, Eric Hanneman, I hope we rolled tape on all of that. Because that will be coming back tomorrow if the Lakers have not five days off, but yet another game in front of them because of some sort of absolute disaster tonight. Once again, do not expect that to happen. But let's be. Clear. But you're rooting for that to happen. Oh, absolutely. You, you I'm rooting to for that You want me to be miserable,
0: happen. and I don't no, understand no, 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 what no, kind no, of teammate no. and friend you are. No, you, you no, want me no. to be on You want me to be on pins and needles, and you want me to yes. to just to just have all the you know the hair on the on the back of my neck standing up, worried about whether or not the Lakers are going to fold like a cheap suit in the postseason. Well, not even in the postseason, in the play-in tournament. Why? Why would you want that for me? Uh, quite simply, it is entertainment for me.
1: And it is good for the show. And I root for the show. And I am not rooting for your pain. I am rooting to make fun of your pain. That's what I would like to do. And at about 12, 15 Eastern time tonight, I would like for you to be what I like to call the squeeze box, where you are just all tense and balled up in a just an absolute uh, cocoon of Pain and suffering and wonderment and hope that you can somehow get past this team that you should have beaten by 25 points. If that happens, and somehow, some way, the Minnesota Timberwolves, without Gobert, without Jaden McDaniels, at the Staples Center, or whatever the hell you're calling it these days, can it eke
0: out a win? Oh. Oh, it's going to be a long day for you if, tomorrow. If, if, if that happens, I'm not coming to work tomorrow. Oh, yes, I you are. I might not show up for the rest oh, of the you week. Oh, no, you will no, 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 show up no, 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 no. and you I will take be, it. No, I'm not doing that. I will be in a glass case of emotion. Yeah. <laughs> like my man, Rob Burgundy from Ackerman <laughs> There's no way I'm showing up to work because you would be insufferable. But I don't want to speak that evil, big fella, because it's not going to happen. We're going to take care of business tonight. As you know, since the trade deadline, the Lakers have been the best defensive team in terms of overall efficiency in the NBA. And when you look at the starting lineup with D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves and LeBron James and A.D. uh, and Jared Vanderbilt, that is one of the most efficient lineups both sides of the court in the NBA. So when those guys are out there on the court, good luck with that. Good luck with that. Well, let's be clear about this,
1: though, okay? If the Lakers are going to do some damage here in the postseason, it's going to be Anthony Davis leading the way. This is going to be a passing of the torch from LeBron to AD. AD is going to be staying healthy, and he's going to be playing at the level that he has uh, throughout the second half of the season. Because, listen, I can't deny it. When he's been on the court, he's been absolutely fantastic for the most part. Absolutely fantastic. And I don't believe I'm alone in this. In fact, I know I'm not. Here's Monica McNutt this morning on Get Up on AD being the key to the Lakers.
2: As much as LeBron James, and he is the king, all that good stuff, as much as he <laughs> is important to this Lakers squad. To me, Anthony Davis is the key to whatever the Lakers are going to do this postseason. Like, Absolutely. A- straight up, Anthony Davis, and I don't want to hear any excuses on anybody else. You look at what this team has been able to do since All-Star break, 15-7, and seven, a tremendous record since the trade deadline. Those pieces that they put around him now have to be those NBA prototype type of guys, right? Y'all got a knockdown shots, Austin Reeves, Vanderbilt um Troy Brown Jr all Beasley. y'all Beasley and y'all gotta defend right and I trust if Anthony Davis is playing the Anthony Davis that we saw a couple years back in the bubble level or even that stretch during this season before, while LeBron was out where he was giving us some of that
1: MVP, MVP caliber glimpses he's the key that was Monica on KJM this morning mm. do you agree with this that it ultimately is on AD's shoulders overall
0: Oh, yeah. I think AD has to be the best player on the court for the Lakers on both ends. He's got to do it offensively. He's got to do it defensively. Now, his job became exponentially easier when the Lakers got some knockdown shooting at the trade deadline. When you bring over a guy like Malik Beasley, that can be a threat from deep. When you bring over a Rui Hachimura, when you have guys that can properly space the floor, all of a sudden, there's a lot more space in the paint to operate. And that's why you've seen the Lakers lead the league in free throw attempts since March 1st. They're averaging nearly 30 free throw attempts a game, big fella. And a big reason why is because teams can't handle Anthony Davis and be able to cover the perimeter shooting that the Lakers now have in the lineup. When you have guys like D'Angelo Russell that can knock it down from deep and that can get hot in a hurry, that becomes a problem. And I think you're seeing today's teams in the NBA – you know, focus on defending the three-point line, and as such, Anthony Davis does a lot of damage. And so I'm with Monica all the way when she says we need to see Anthony Davis return to bubble form. I would take it a step further. I think we need to see the Anthony Davis that we saw in New Orleans in the postseason in the 2017-2018 season. He averaged 30 points and 13 boards. Now, bubble AD, he was 27-10. and 10. With what the Lakers have around AD right now, I'm going to need AD to average right around 30 points a game in the postseason and give me somewhere in the ballpark of 12 to 14 boards. Why? Because there's going to be every opportunity for him to do that, especially when you look at the upcoming opponents. So not only are you talking about a shorthanded Memphis Grizzlies team on the interior, but you're also talking about a shorthanded – I mean, shorthanded – I'm sorry, Minnesota Timberwolves, but you also have the shorthanded Memphis Grizzlies on the interior – when they have the absence of Steven Adams, who's going to be out the entire postseason, and Brandon Clark, who's out for the entire season uh, with the lower body injury. So I look at this as a situation where AD has an opportunity to put his imprint on the team's playoff prospects by having big-time performances, and it's up to LeBron James and the rest of the supporting cast to facilitate that. Well, I'll take it a step further. It's also very important for AD's legacy here.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, no matter how you want to view... What happened a couple of years ago, and I, I get it. I make fun of it. it. It might be annoying to some when I call the Lakers championship in the bubble the summer camp uh, summer camp championship. Yeah. People do look at that title differently. They do. And when it comes to Anthony Davis, let's at least acknowledge that he got two and a half months off prior to going back and playing in the bubble yeah. to help with his health. And then... Whatever the constraints were or challenges were that you faced at the time uh, in the bubble, which I'm not going to deny had to be challenging. It's not the same rigors as having to travel and go through the night after night and everything that goes involved with the NBA playoffs. For me, this is a title that would count a whole heck of a lot more for Anthony Davis and for where he is in his career. It, to me, it changes a lot more for him than it even does for Lebron,
0: yeah, I don't know if I can take it that far. I, I mean, I, I do think it changes the narrative around a d s career, but we still have the question about this guy's availability, right? Yeah, because that's that's gonna that's gonna be one of the things that is going to. You know, be a lot of noise around him whether they win a championship this year or not everybody will say well yeah he stepped up and he was a big part of two championship winning teams but we need this guy to be healthy more consistently in order to consider him one of the all time great bigs not only in a Lakers uniform but in NBA history whereas with LeBron James can you think of a player that was a focal point of a championship winning team in year 20 in year 20 Cause I can't think of one, I can't. Well, but he wouldn't be the focal point, though. What? But, but, but he is, though. I mean, how can you say he's not the focal point when AD he averages twenty eight? AD? AD is the biggest factor. Can, can, for I, this can team. I can I, can I can I can I finish my saying? Yeah. How can you say LeBron is not a focal point when he averages twenty nine eight and eight and six on the season? Mm-hmm. Twenty nine eight and six, and he's not the focal point? Are you kidding me?
1: Uh, if if they win a championship, Canty, is it going to be because of LeBron or is it going to be because of AD.
0: It will, well, listen, I said AD has to be the best player in order for them to win a championship, right. but it's 1A and 1B. It's not as if LeBron is a second fiddle. LeBron is second fiddle to no player in the NBA, period. Mm-hmm. So as great as AD, as AD has to be, they still need the greatness of LeBron James. He's going to be the primary ball handler. He's going to be the facilitator on the offense, and he's the unquestioned leader of that franchise. So I, I don't understand how that wouldn't be impressive to see a guy have that type of performance, to see him eclipse Kareem Abdul-Jabbar when it comes to points scored in the NBA, and then in that same season, after spending the majority of the season under five hundred, to have a chance to finish with a winning record and cap it off with winning a title in the Western Conference, that would be damn impressive for anybody. But let alone what LeBron James is doing in year twenty that and. and Let's also factor this in. You're talking about him having five rings now, being one off of Michael Jordan, and tie in Kobe Bryant. That actually matters in terms of the overall legacy. And whether we want to admit it or not, it's him and Michael Jordan in this room, but as LeBron James's career continues to unfold and he continues to acquire all these different accolades, he gets a little bit closer. He gets a little bit closer to the greatness that is MJ. So, yeah, I think a championship matters a little bit more to LeBron's legacy just because of where LeBron stands in the pantheon of the NBA greats. I, I think it's unless it's multiple
1: championships still to come, I don't think anything really changes – on the LeBron front as to how people view him. I, well, I well, well,
0: well, getting getting five is is on the way to multiple championships. I'm not predicting that th- this is going to be the opening of a dynastic window for the mm. Lakers, but if you get one, that brings you one closer to Michael Jordan, and that conversation starts to kick up well, again.
1: Th- 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 people are always going to have their arguments of, well, Jordan never lost, and they're going to point to LeBron. I would point to LeBron and, and say he had to do something right to get there as many times as he did. Sure. Here's my point nothing that happens this year right now is going to change how I view LeBron. Okay. Winning a title right now for AD would change how I view AD. It would okay. it, it would have more of an effect on that, I think. Cantia Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app, we want to thank our good friends from Vivid Seats because finally baseball is back and swinging into the season with tickets, Into the action is something you have got to do. Plus, with basketball and hockey heating up, now is a great time to experience a game. Vivid Seats, proud to be the official ticketing partner for ESPN. From on the glass to in the stands, Vivid Seats has great ticket prices to all the games. Every crack of the bat, every dribble down the court. Catch it all with Vivid Seats. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live.
3: Trey gets it across. Trey in the lane. Floater by Trey is good, and he got fouled on the play. Out the basket. And a chance at a three point play.
1: That was 92 9 the game. Trey Young making it happen, but really, is he long term for the Atlanta Hawks? This is a much, much bigger discussion. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, Tim. You know, uh, Tim McMahon yesterday was on the show Mm -hmm. and was talking about Luka and where he is in Dallas. Then you've got Trey Young, and these two guys are the same draft back in 2018. And, in fact, were traded for one another. Which is wild when you think about it, right? It it really is. (laughs) And it's kind of wild when you think about the fact that, like, it's been – their careers have basically been paralleled in a lot of ways. Both been to conference finals – you know, they're, they're both great, great players. I think everybody would universally acknowledge that uh, Luca is probably a better overall player. But can't he? Which team is closer right now between the Mavericks and the Hawks? Because I don't know that I have a great answer for it.
0: Yeah, first glance, would when you would say the Dallas Mavs, because they have the better player. And you're talking about the potential with retaining Kyrie Irving of having two Hall of Famers on one, in one backcourt. Uh, but, but we saw that with Kyrie and Luka in the lineup, this this Mavs team was 5-11. and And they had a losing record since they made the Kyrie Irving trade at the deadline. So I'm not quite sure that that combination is going to get the return on investment that Mark Cuban in the Mavs front office believed it would. So I I, I don't know. It feels like with the pieces in place on the Atlanta Hawks, they have more... Uh, opportunities to maneuver and add pieces um, in order to move that team forward. With the Dallas Mavericks, they they don't have any second-round picks over the next five or six seasons. And the first-round picks are top-ten protected, but you're talking about them belonging to somebody else too. Um, With their top-ten pick this year – well, with a potential lottery pick belonging to the New York Knicks this year, unless it lands in the top-ten. So I I, I just – I don't see a lot of ways for the Mavs to get better – I see more ways for the Atlanta Hawks to get better. And when you consider the Atlanta Hawks being in the Eastern Conference, that's top-heavy as opposed to the West where there's a lot more parity. I don't know. It feels like the potential is there for the Hawks to get this thing turned around quicker than the Dallas Mavs. The other factor that we got to consider in this conversation, big fella, I have a lot more confidence in Quinn Snyder as a head coach than I do Jason Kidd with the Dallas Mavs. That matters in terms of establishing a culture that can lead to sustained success. Yeah, listen, I Jason Kidd to me
1: is not a big-time coach. He, he's yeah. just not. I agree with you 100% on that. My big problem here, though, is Trey Young and whether or not he's a championship player. I don't know that he is. They made it to the conference finals once, yes, but I, I he does not feel like one of the great leaders that you would want as a centerpiece on a team when I look at versus Luca, And and trust me, my questions are very much still up there with Luca. I wonder right now if other guys are going to want to play with Luca the way it's going. But if I'm the Hawks, maybe I'm better off trying to turn Trey Young into a different superstar in a deal versus trying to add a little bit more around him. So, who would that superstar be? There's a guy out in Portland who might be available. You know, if they – if listen, I fully believe that the, the Trailblazers are going to do what they can to try to win now and add veterans. But when you look at where they are, are they realistic in trying to do that? Are they realistic? Like, if they get Victor Webb and Yama, that's one thing, if mm. they end up getting the number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. But are they being realistic – that they're going to lure another veteran to Portland? Or are they going to be better off doing right by Dame Lillard and trading for a young star like Trey Young to build those guys around? I,
0: I like it. I mean, that's something about that feels spicy. And if you're Portland, you would like volunteers, but at some point you got to get hostages. And, and Trey Young is 24 years old and he's under contract for a pretty long time. Uh, you know, so I just. I I think that would probably be the route that I would explore if I'm Atlanta. Not sure that that's exactly what Portland is going to be looking for, though, the direction that they want to go with their young pieces. We'll see. But that's an intriguing proposal right there, and I, I have a hard time figuring out who would say no out of that bunch.
1: Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more spicy conversation that we're going to have a lot more of in just a bit. Is Canty wrong about the Lakers? 888, say ESPN. 888 729 Notice how I continually position it that way. Is Canty wrong about the Lakers? 888-729-3776. He's given me the you're a bad teammate head shake. That's all there is to it. Up next, though, it is Mel 4.0. Mel Kuyper Jr. joins us. With an intriguing trade at a team that we have not talked about that needs a quarterback. That's next. Canty Carlin, ESPN Radio.
4: With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast.
3: We are just
1: over two weeks away from the NFL Draft 2023. It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app, as always presented by Progressive Insurance. Chris Canty, myself, Mike Tannenbaum, along with Ian Fitzsimmons, will be hosting the draft here on ESPN Radio on the 27th, 28th, and 29th. And, of course, the man on the TV side, is Mel Kuiper Jr. You know him. You love him. It is Mel's 4.0 mock draft, a two-round mock draft that is out today on ESPN.com. We'll tweet it out in just a moment, but he joins us right now. Mel, it's Chris, and Chris, we appreciate a few minutes, and let's get right to it. Uh, Right out of the gate, uh, in the third spot, you know, there's been so much talk about the Cardinals trading out of it for a team that wants to draft a quarterback, and you have a team that we haven't talked about a whole lot doing that, making that move. Tell us about your big move for the Tennessee Titans.
3: Yeah, great to be with you guys. Uh, exactly. Arizona wants out, we know that who's going to trade up in there. I was told Indianapolis may not. They may just sit at four. So the old trade I had in my 3.0 of Indy going up one spot, I didn't make that move. I had Tennessee where, he, you know, Anthony Richardson visited Tennessee. They Ryan Tannehill's there maybe for one more year, and that would be a good bridge to the next quarterback, which Anthony Richardson needs a little bit of time. You know, he only had 13 starts at Florida, so he needs to work on his accuracy and his mechanics throwing the football. So it would be a good situation for him. You could use him in packages running the football like the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson when they had Joe Flacco here as the starting quarterback that first year, if you remember. So a scenario like that could be in place for Tennessee going up from 11 to 3.
0: Mel, you mentioned Indy staying at 4. You have him taking Will Levis, who's your second-ranked quarterback on your big board. Tell me why you think Will Levis is the second-best quarterback in this draft class.
3: Well, I think uh, you really, Chris, he didn't get a lot of help this year, and he was hurt, so I could throw this year out. McShay said something crazy. How could you throw the year out? Well, he was playing with one leg, basically. He couldn't move, and that was his strength in 2021, was his legs and ability to move, score. Had nine rushing touchdowns. Didn't have any rushing touchdowns the last eight games, because his toe, shoulder, he was just beat up from head to toe. And he had an offensive line, which was the worst in the conference. He lost his top receiver to the NFL, and he lost his coordinator. So, uh, yeah, to me, you've got to factor that in. This is a team's sp- Sport last time I checked, it's not golf. It's not tennis. So, you know, to me, and he was still hurt. So you would factor it in if it was a golf or tennis player. Look at Tiger; had a withdrawal, right? So you got to factor in injuries for a quarterback who's who was a dual threat. He could beat you with his legs. If you watch some of those games last year, even the Tennessee game, he had a, he had a huge, huge open daylight to run through. He stayed there and just tried to find a receiver because he knew he couldn't run. He, could, he wasn't going to outrun anybody. So that's the aspect of his game was eliminated. In uh, 2021, he was outstanding. He was 17-7 and seven as a starting quarterback at Kentucky. And is an underdog in a lot of games. And if they're favorite, they're slight favorites in a lot of games. Unlike you know guys that are playing as the favorite, which would be you know, Bryce and CJ, playing on teams where they're always the favorite. So I, I just think, hey, I feel like a defense attorney with Will Levis because everybody's hating on him, and I'm the I'm the only guy I don't love Will Levis he's not as highly rated as Josh Allen was for me or guys like that but I mean you got to defend a guy who was beat up last year so much
1: Mel Kuyper, Jr., his 4.0 mock draft, two-round mock draft up on ESPN.com. Joining Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. You've got the fifth quarterback in that first round, and it's Hendon Hooker at the end of the first round with the Seattle Seahawks. We all understand uh, what the Geno Smith contract suggests, that they may draft a young quarterback. But, Mel, out of the five quarterbacks in the first round, how many of them – Uh, You touched on Richardson. How many of them are ready to step in and play immediately? And how many need time before they're going to get there?
3: Well, you would argue that, that Levis, because he's coming off of an injury-plagued season in a second offense, you know, may need a little time. Uh, you would certainly argue that Hendon Hooker, coming out of a quarterback-friendly offense, which was a college quarterback-friendly offense, not an NFL quarterback-friendly offense, so and he's coming off an ACL in late November. So you would think, you know, Hendon would need time. Will and then certainly Anthony with uh, Anthony Richardson with only 13 career starts. That's a dangerously low number considering the amount of busts that had the few starts coming into the NFL. Some GM and head coach would say you can't draft a quarterback unless he has a certain number of starts, which was always around 24. That number has fluctuated since, you know, with kids coming out early. But, yeah, those would be the three that I think need to sit for a little bit But Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, particularly Young, is going to play right away. Stroud is the youngest quarterback of this group, guys. He's the youngest. Uh, So, you know, know, he played two years. They had two great years at Ohio State. But you would think Young and Stroud, Carolina and Houston, will play right away. And they both have quarterbacks in place that can be kind of the bridge to them. Andy Dalton's there to work with Bryce. And, of course, they have Mills and they have uh, Keenum there in Houston.
0: Talking with the ESPN senior NFL draft analyst Mel Kuyper Jr. on Canty Carl, and Carlin, and Mel, over the past three drafts, you've seen six wide receivers go in the first round, five wide receivers go in the first round, and six wide receivers go in the first round, respectively. In your mock draft, you only have three wide receivers going in the first round. What 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 is it about this class that doesn't suggest that there's the top end talent um, to go around for these NFL teams looking for weapons for their quarterbacks?
3: Craig. I thought about it a lot. and I just looked at it, and as I talked to people in the league, and I almost put Addison in the second round, if you can believe it. I almost put Jordan wow. Addison from USC in round two, but I felt like, yeah, he's so good. I mean, he, had, see, they didn't, he didn't test great. And, you know, Zay Flowers is only 5'9 and a quarter. And, and Quentin Johnston body catches and had some drops. So I moved him into the early second. Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to go in the top 15, I think, guaranteed, you know, based on what he did two years ago when he outproduced on receptions and average per catch. Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Now, Garrett Wilson and Olave had a lot to do with him, as you know, Chris being freed up, free releases off the line. How many college corners can cover? If you have one maybe right. which college team has two, three corners that can cover? These guys. Nobody does. So you're going to have Jackson Smith and Jigba had it pretty easy for a while there, and he he capitalized on it. This past year, unfortunately, he was injured. Marvin Harrison Jr. was the star, but he's going to go high. But I think the other, you know, Zay Flowers, i got to believe, goes in the first round, and I certainly think Addison – Hundred catches at Pitt with Pickett. Great year at USC with Caleb Williams. Yeah, I like I like Addison. He's a great route runner. He can play slot and wide. He catches everything. If he gets into the second round, he'll be a steal. I don't think he will be. I don't think I think he'll go in the first round.
1: Mel, last one for me. Uh, something I've heard a little bit the last couple of days, and I'd like to get your take on it. That maybe there's a lot more. Um, that there's not as much high high level defensive talent in this draft maybe once you get past the first 25 picks or so it seems to drop off a little bit fair or unfair
3: who goes, Chris, and that, that's where we're going to have a, a, you know, differences of opinion on a lot of guys. Huh? Mm-hmm. If you get in the second round and you see players, you know, I'll give you some example. Brian Branch, the defensive back from Alabama, versatile mm-hmm. slot corner. I mean, he could be a slot, could be a, a center fielder, can be a box safety. He, uh, he's ideally suited for the game today. Well coached by Nick Saban there, who raves about the kid. If you can get a, a you know, Julius Brent, a long athletic corner out of Kansas State in the second round, that's another guy there. And some of these defensive linemen, if Will McDonald, the Four slides into the second round. A great pass rusher, potentially a Derek Hall from Auburn in the second round. A Byron Young from Tennessee in the second round. This second round could turn out to be pretty good. Mozzie Smith, defensive tackle, Michigan, second round. Uh, some of these corners are going to get pushed into the second round, like Cam Smith from South Carolina as well. Uh, Keon White, the defensive end from Georgia Tech, is going to be a great second-round pick for somebody, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah, there are uh, the cornerback spot is pretty deep. Um, linebackers, not bad. Off-ball linebackers, pretty good. You're going to get some good softball linebackers in the third or fourth round this year.
1: Mel Kuiper Jr., his latest mock draft, 4.0, a two-round mock draft out on ESPN.com. We'll tweet it out as well right now. Mel, we appreciate it. Only two weeks away.
3: Always a pleasure, guys. Enjoy it, man. Take care.
1: Absolutely. I, you know what? I meant to ask Mel, too, at the end. If you're going to Kansas City and you're going to draft first
0: and second between barbecue and steaks... Where are you going there? Mm, that's a great question, and we're going to have to get an answer for that because we've got to set our itinerary, not in terms of when we're going to be working a draft, but in terms of where we're going to be going to eat.
1: Well, i tell you what. Uh, as much as these guys are preparing for the draft, I will be preparing for that draft. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's Kanti and Garland on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. We've got more on Mills mock draft coming up and – Very, very interesting story that is brewing with an NFC team. You're going to want to check in on that next. Canty and Carlin,
3: ESPN Radio. Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com.
1: Canty and Carlin, the podcast. There's a big-time player available all of a sudden that we would not have expected. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app. Canty, how about Pro Bowl linebacker, former first-round pick Devin White, wants out from Tampa has asked for a trade, increasingly frustrated with the team, and is, quote, fed up. Fed up. Got one year left on his contract. Devin White, inside linebacker. What do you got?
0: Well, I would be upset and frustrated with the team, too, if you're telling me that QB1 going into 2023 is, excuse me, Baker Mayfield? Yeah, Baker Mayfield, who lost his job to P.J. Walker in Carolina, a guy that was played in the XFL a few years ago. You lost your job to that dude because you were so bad, and that's going to be our starting quarterback when you could potentially go after Lamar Jackson? Uh, no, 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 no. You can't sell me on that. And, and I'm assuming that Kyle Trask isn't a better option no. because Devin White has seen him in the building for a couple of years. So, no, no, no. I understand where Devin White is coming from, and with that defense essentially being the identity of that team and having to try to fight to keep the Bucks in games last year, I get why he's frustrated, and he's he's looking for a change of scenery. It makes all the sense in the world to me. Okay, so this feels like this could end up being one of those
1: either right before or draft day type trades. Yeah. And it also feels like somebody's going to get a steal out of it as well.
0: Oh, yeah, Devin White is still an outstanding backer. You know, I mean, he's 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 a potential all-pro if he's right and healthy. The The only question is, what is it going to cost to get him out of Tampa and how much is Devin wanna, Devin White going to want to get paid, right? Like, yeah. I'm assuming that with the change of scenery, there's going to be a new contract involved. All you got to do is go back to the end of last year at the trade deadline with Roquan Smith. Remember what happened once the Ravens traded for him? They signed him to a five-year, $100 million deal at the end of the season, and this is a guy that was self-represented. So I'm assuming that if you're trading for Devin White, you're also getting ready to give him a bag.
1: Kenty Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app, we just heard from Mel Kuyper Jr. His latest mock draft is out on ESPN.com. Kenty, the Tennessee Titans are a team that we have not talked about a ton when it comes to potentially drafting a quarterback. Mel, in this draft, has them trading up – to the number three spot from uh, number 11, I believe, right now. And with that being the case, had them giving up a Trey Lance type of deal. In other words, potentially three total first-round picks, maybe maybe a pair of seconds in there to go that high to go get Anthony Richardson. Boy, that feels like an awfully big swing right out of the gate for Rand Carthon.
0: Yeah, but you got to, right? You don't have any choice. You're in the AFC. I mean, think about it, big fella. You're talking about Tua, who was statistically one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL when he was healthy last year, and at best, you're probably talking about him being, what, sixth or seventh in the conference? If you were power ranking the quarterbacks yeah. in the AFC? Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're Rand Carth if you're Mike Vrabel, what chance do you have to compete if you don't take a big swing on a guy that has huge potential based on his physical gifts? But you have to go at least explore what it would cost to get it. And I'm assuming that the Arizona Cardinals are looking for the kind of hall that San Francisco gave up a couple of years ago to move up to number three. So I, I think if if you're in the Anthony Richardson business, if you want a quarterback that you can develop um, a, 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 and potentially be a guy that can be grow into a force multiplier role on your team, then that makes all the sense in the world. The Tennessee Titans are desperate. They they have no choice. So I understand the move. Um I I just don't know if that ends up being the best situation for Anthony Richardson in terms of him realizing the ceiling on his potential. I, I wouldn't
1: do it. I listen, I, I don't think Anthony Richardson is definitively gonna be a bust, but it just scares me. You know, it just scares me to put my either him or Will Levis, it scares me to put my future on them. And I keep going back to something Mike Tannenbaum said is, you know, you got to swing for the fences sometimes. Yeah. I I just don't want to swing for the fences on a pitch in the dirt. You know, I don't want to look silly when I've got a guy that uh, in Richardson, we've seen where the problems are. If you're going to tell me that he's going to sit for a year and be great, okay. But uh, I'm not fully convinced of that. Plenty of people under pressure in the NBA playoffs. Top five next. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin,
2: the podcast.